It's a phrase from popular movies. It's also a question that comes up in our daily life. The question is, is that even legal? We talk about the things that drive you crazy, the things you won't believe, and the things you need to know and understand. I'm attorney Bob Sewell, and this is the podcast, Is That Even Legal? Let's get started. Today's guest on the show is Ron Holmes. Ron Holmes is the managing partner of Davis Miles McGuire Gardner, New Mexico. He manages all aspects of the firm out there in New Mexico, and he's a fantastic bankruptcy attorney, and I consider Ron a personal friend. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. I also consider you a personal friend, so thank you very much for having me on the show. It's awesome to be here. Excited to be part of the podcast finally. I'm so glad I got to be invited. This is excellent. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I love doing the podcast. I have so much fun doing it. Now, I wanted to have you on the show to talk about a particular story that has been out there in the news. And this story is not, not unique. It's a story about a business using the bankruptcy code to sort of flip the flip the their narrative the discussion to protect themselves from their own bad acts and this is not unique this has been happening a lot and a lot of people are getting upset about these people out there that they're seen as bad actors yeah but they're using the code i want to talk about that but i want to tell you about the story okay there's this guy named alex jones and Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist. He has a website and a quote-unquote newscast or whatever you want to call what he does. It's called We, we may not want to call it what we really want to call it, right? Right. right. It's, it's called InfoWars. And he's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's, you know, he does his thing, but he peddles in conspiracy theories. And one of his conspiracy theories involved the families of Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook Elementary School. They they suffered a great loss. A shooter came in and killed a, a, a number Horrible of children. Tragedy. Horrible. Right. And these families were, were defamed by Alex Jones as being, quote unquote, crisis actors. They were faking it. And and they took exception, filed a lawsuit, have gone through years of litigation yeah. And just as about ready, they're going to make him pay, right? They're going to make Alex Jones pay for his wrongs. And, and have their day in court, right? That's right? the other issue. And he files for bankruptcy. Boom. Right. Okay, so legal? you said, well, is it legal? Well, the, the simple answer is yes. And and let's let's make a little bit of a distinction here. There's a distinction between Alex Jones as the individual versus info wars as the business okay so so the business is the one who actually filed the bankruptcy um they're they're a defendant in the lawsuit they were getting sued and they they were on the hook for potentially lots and lots of uh, dollars and damages and what they did is they filed the bankruptcy to take advantage of what's known as the automatic stay that's under federal law title 11 so that's bank that's the bankruptcy code so what that is, it's a very powerful tool that, that that can be used, but unfortunately, anytime that you got something that's powerful, sometimes it can be abused. And in this particular case, there's certainly a lot of lot of uh, lot of pushback about that being abused, 
and being used for the improper purpose. But what it does is it, it, it imposes a stay, as the name implies, upon anything, any types of collection activity by creditors against the person who owes the debt. And that goes into a play as soon as the bankruptcy is filed. And that's what that's what Infowars did is that they 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 invoked that protection and and stopped the the Sandy Hook plaintiffs from being able to move forward on the lawsuit. Is that is that a good policy? Do you think that automatic stay is a good policy? It it is when it's used properly. And this is let me give you an example of how how I see that in my daily practice to to when I use properly. Um, I do a lot of Chapter 13 bankruptcy work. That's that's mom and pop reorganization, uh, individual reorganization. Do a lot of that work, and and the number one reason I do a Chapter 13 case, or the for the reason is is to do a save the house plan. Imagine that you're 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 married. You got you got a family. You're you're trying to pay your your mortgage payments, but you know a pandemic happens, or you got a injury, or you got an illness, or something causes you to fall behind on mortgage payments. Well, mortgage company is not terribly sympathetic to those things all the time, so they're going to be foreclosing and filing a lawsuit against you. Well, foreclosure sale gets set and we file a bankruptcy to invoke that automatic stay so that the person doesn't lose their home back to the mortgage company. And there are times when these folks have tons of equity that they would lose if they actually got foreclosed out. So when it's used properly, yes, the automatic stay is a good thing. When it's when it's abused, that's when that's when it gets problems. And that's where backlash comes, especially when you're talking about, you know, re- remarkably sympathetic victims like the Sandy Hook plaintiffs. Those those folks suffered tremendous losses. And then effectively, they were victimized again by by this by this Jones character and his crazy theories. Well, so let me talk about that in a general sense. If I'm a business, OK, or an individual like, well, let's first talk about a business. If I'm a business and, or I own a business and I know my business is on the rocks and I take every last dollar out of my business and I suck it out and I put it somewhere for in me personally. And or you bury it at the Cayman Islands somewhere. Is that where I buried in the Cayman Islands? Okay. And then I'm like, boo, yeah, I'm okay. filing for bankruptcy. Okay. Well, like there's a problem with that. that. Okay. Yeah, bankruptcy is designed for the the unfortunate, but but unfortunately um, honest, but unfortunate debtor. That's what it's designed for. So those who are dishonest and hiding assets, well, that's a crime. That's a bankruptcy crime. It's very stiff penalties, very stiff fines. Um, that's designed. The, the law is written to 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 absolutely discourage that kind of behavior pre bankruptcy. Um, if they do that they're going to get hammered and they should get hammered if they're hiding assets from legitimate creditors rights. That's, that's not right. That's not the way the bankruptcy code is supposed to work. So let me, I want to talk to you about something that's happening more close, closer to home for you. Mm. And that's the archdiocese of Santa Fe, the archdiocese of Santa Fe, they filed for bankruptcy. And, and as you know, the archdiocese has a significant number of mass litigations. Well, 400 plus them. victims, unfortunately. And they have uh, this mounting debt from the litigation, the mounting, uh, the mounting uh, problems and financial yeah. obligations from the victims 
of the of the crimes that their employees committed. Um, again, these are crimes, and we have an entity that is now trying to slough off the the fallout from the crimes. And, and you use the the word entity correctly, I think, and that's the that's the the entity that filed is the archdiocese themselves or the church. Right. So not this is not really the individual priests who are accused of of the of the wrongful acts. So it's actually the church. So the church is the church is being sued, of course, because of you know is there some sort of um, liability on behalf of the church for not not doing this or not doing that or failing to do this or failing to do that, and that's why they are being sued as well. That's the entity that actually filed the bankruptcy case under a Chapter 11 reorganization. Now that case is has been has been back and forth. There was a recent mediation. I haven't heard if it was successful yet or not, but there were a lot of folks who were really wanting it to be successful. And as you know, mediation is is a is an agreement or a settlement, not not something that's ultimately adjudicated or decided, but I'm hopeful that the mediation is is a good thing and that everybody everyone can can go ahead and really get on with their lives and and close out this bankruptcy. But that's that's what the chapter 11 was for in in New Mexico for was for the church itself, the archdiocese of Santa Fe, which is a smaller sect of the of the overall Catholic church, of course. And so the fact that the the employees of the church, the different priests and the other employees that have committed these acts, these crimes, yeah. That doesn't that doesn't take away from from the archdiocese's ability to file bankruptcy. That's what you're telling me. That's what I'm telling you. Um, archdiocese has their 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 own separate ability to file the bankruptcy, but that the archdiocese bankruptcy doesn't necessarily protect the individual priests. So that that's where there's could potentially be 400 other bankruptcy cases by the priests or there's not 400 priests, I'm sorry, there's 400 victims, but there could be, you know, a number of other priests who file a bankruptcy then. And there are certain, there are certain acts in bankruptcy that are not dischargeable. You might be able to discharge your credit card debt and so forth like that, but you cannot discharge willful and intentional um, wrongs or, or personal injuries. Those things are not dischargeable in bankruptcy. So, it, it is something that is not going to end the litigation. That is something that you would have to litigate in bankruptcy in order for the bankruptcy court to declare that to be willful and intentional wrongs and, and personal injuries. But it also has to be malicious. In this case, that's going to be a tough one. Um, it's going to be, it's always something that's litigated. Willful and malicious injuries in bankruptcy are not dischargeable. Now, I want to talk about I want you whether I want you to play devil's advocate with yourself. Okay. okay? All right. And I want you to talk policy for a minute. You get to be a policy wonk. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Let's try to figure this out. Okay. I'm the archdiocese. All right. You know, I'm I'm the person representing the archdiocese and I come to you Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I think generally the Catholic Church tries to do good. I mean, they, they have a lot of good things that they've done over the years and a lot of well-meaning good people inside Certainly. the Catholic Church. And I come to you and I say, I need to protect the church. And I want to so file what, this. What is, what is being protected then is, I guess, the question, right? So what is what are you coming to protect? 
while you're protecting things like the church's um, hard assets, things like the actual, you know, the actual chapels and the, you know, what other other real estate, land, and buildings and so forth that the church owns, and and you know, they're they're I'm, they have bank accounts that have you know tithing and and you know financial contributions from parishioners. So there's there's things to protect. That's why that's why you file a bankruptcy is to protect those things. But at some point, if if you cannot figure out a way to reorganize and get get something settled or or figure out a way to make a, a chapter 11 plan work, then the court's going to force a liquidation of those things. And at some point, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, if all those things are going to be liquidated and sold, and essentially the archdiocese in this particular one is shut down, well, what's the liquidation value of a church's assets? <laughs> Not going to be much, maybe. You know, yeah. one of the things that in the archdiocese cases that that's really where where sort of the deeper pockets is is insurance. Well, right. the insurance isn't going to be part of any chapter eleven or seven liquidation. It's just going it, to it's probably not going to pay a lot of money to the to the to those victims, and that's that that would be that would be a bad thing. So as I'm seeing it, the policy is what you're saying is the policy is, hey, we want the archdiocese to be able to continue, to continue their good works, to maintain their mission. Right. And, you Keep know, it going uh, because we ha- we can do a lot of good things in the future. But if you shut us down and the policy of shutting us down, you're going to cause more harm than good, ultimately. Not that they weren't suffered harm because nobody wants to take away that the, the, the victim's pain and suffering because it's been horrible. Right. So now now I want you to be the victim. Okay. Mm. You represent the victim for a moment. And the victim says, by golly, these guys just filed bankruptcy. How can they do that to me? How can they do that to me? Is there an argument? It's good for the victim. It's bad for the victim. Is it both? What's going on here? Yeah. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm, the victim's attorney and I'm saying, Hey, you need to pay what, what you owe. This is wrong. You, you, you knew this was wrong all along and you guys hit it and so forth. That, that's where I'm going to push for, for getting the most insurance out of it, getting, getting them to pony up some money for the value of their business. So if they want to keep it fine, keep it, but you're going to have to pay for it. You know, you're going to have to give me the equivalent value of what would be, what would be liquidated. But what would be an argument about, you know, maybe the collective good is the collective good of, of the debtors and the victims. Is that served in bankruptcy? I think that's served in mediation. Um, okay. Bankruptcy, it's it's hard to get to that because there's really just the, the rules are pretty cut and dry and black and white. Mediation can can solve that. What solve your, your conundrum right there is can can you get sort of good for both sides in mediation. I think you can. That's why Judge Thuma is our is our judge assigned to that case. He's the one that ordered the mediation and and was really kind of getting these trying to get these folks to to try to come to a settlement agreement. Ron, I have to take a break for a second to address our listeners. I really love this information, but I have to talk to our listeners for a second. We're now in over 70 different countries. We've had a massive uptick in downloads, and it just keeps getting stronger and stronger, the the podcast. Congratulations on your success. You're doing great. Thanks. We have have now a scholarship contest that's going to be happening in the fall. I want listeners to remember and listen out for that. And I also want the listeners to go out and 
find uh, our podcast at your favorite podcast place. Give us a review. We want to hear from you. Hopefully a five-star review. We want to hear from you. Okay, Ron, I want to address a different story right now. And it's the story of the Consumer Confidence Index. And I'm going to put that story, actually, the Consumer Confidence Index, a graph of it up on the screen. And I'm going to describe what we're looking at here for a second. I'm glad you're covering this, Bob, because really, this is this is something that I, I think is is really there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I'm glad we're covering this today. So I want to talk about this consumer confidence index, and as you see from this graph, back in say mid 2007, in this graph, we start to see a massive downturn in the consumer confidence index. By the time you hit 2008, it's a free fall all the way to first quarter, you know, second quarter of 2009. Right. And then it slowly starts to go up and down and you see a nice W pattern up until, you know, you get to 2020. March 2020, so right? We're going a nice W pattern, but a steady increase up to March 2020 when the consumer confidence index just drops Bottoms off. Out. And then we see a W pattern in the in the doldrums. It bounces back up just before 2022. And then we see in 2022 it starts to drop off again. Okay. Let, now, me, let me give you you want to hear my theory gonna, as to why I think that that is the case? I want, yeah, but I also want you to talk, I want you to talk about your, your theory, but I also want you to talk about bankruptcies. Do they track these things? This consumer they, confidence index? They, they track them inversely. So this is this is inversely related. So when you see the, the drop down in 2009, actually, if, if 2005 were on this graph, you would see that the that the index was probably going down a little bit. And it's been steadily going down until 2009. What happened in 2009? Well, you know, we had a we had a real estate crash in 2008. So that definitely, definitely killed some confidence. But if if 2009, if this graph is going up, that means bankruptcies are going down. And that's exactly what has been happening since 2009. 2009, 2010, bankruptcies have been going down every year, statistically, nationwide, certainly in New Mexico as well. And that has gone on until, well, until just recently. Basically, the very first time that our bankruptcy court has seen an actual increase in a month over month year comparison was in March and in March of 2022. So March 2020 is when basically the pandemic hit. So you would think, well, all right, we're going to have tons of bankruptcies because folks can't, folks are out of work, businesses are getting shut down, lots of different reasons why that you would think that bankruptcies are, are on the rise and would be exploding right now. And it's simply not true. Bankruptcies are, are actually at a historic low. And only recently we've, we've actually seen any kind of uptick in any bankruptcies. And that was just really in the month of March. Month of April was, was really sort of very average in the last couple of years. So are we actually seeing the explosion? I don't think we're seeing it yet, but this confidence so, does make a difference. And this is the difference between the word on the street and yeah. the everyman knowledge and yeah. what we actually experience in our real 
every and real everyday lives. And yeah, this let me give you a real world experience. Is like I get people who meet me for the first time and they say, "Oh, what do you do?" I say, "Oh, I'm a bankruptcy attorney." Oh, well, you must be you must be hugely busy right now. No, nope. not true. The word on the street is that everybody thinks the bankruptcies are just off the charts, and I'm just crazy busy. And it's it's not true. Not in bankruptcy work, at least. Yeah, and 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 I do remember there was a huge explosion as as the right right before the economy and the great recession was tanking and and up yeah. into you know say that 2009 period every every attorney became a bankruptcy attorney it was a it was amazing and they yeah. there were some of these attorneys were terrible and yeah that's what I was just going to say that's not a good thing <laughs> You, you really need people who know what the heck they're doing in bankruptcy. Don't you want, want to get a lot of arm armchair kind of bankruptcy attorneys? You don't want that. But it disappeared. Even, even though the economy had recovered and we still had really low consumer confidence index, the bankruptcies just went boom, they're gone. Right. Right. So let's let's talk about why we why there's reasons why the bankruptcy hasn't exploded. Okay. Well, there are there are there are stays that were in place in the Mexico Supreme Court. They stayed all evictions. Right. They, they stayed all writs of garnishment and writs of executions. So those are those are the, the big ones that, that that creditors use to collect money, you know, execution and garnishment. If you're not, if your paycheck's not getting, being garnished, you don't really have that same pressure to file the bankruptcy. If you got a garnishment, which is what I've seen recently, last two months, March. April and now in the little bit into May, folks are now under uh, under garnishment because garnishment started as early as February, and the New Mexico Supreme Court just let up the um, just released the stay on evictions as of April first. So those those cases haven't quite caught up to me yet, but I think they're coming. And I also think that you know when when. These, this has been unprecedented. I mean, people, I get tired of people saying that, but it really has been. Yeah. The whole concept of a stay in the eviction, uh, I mean, that was really oh. unique. Very and, unique. You know, and when people who were renting found out that they could stay in their place and not, yeah. not pay the rent, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that created That's, an interesting side effects. It Friend does, and, it, and it's horrible for the for the landlords. They, and if they're carrying debt on that thing, they're basically supplementing someone's housing. That's that's a lot of that. That's a hard pill to swallow. Well, you you use the word un, uh, unprecedented, which we hear a lot in you know with the pandemic and so forth. What what I think now is it, it's unpredictable. I don't know where this is going to go. I I've, I could have told you last year that I thought bankruptcy is going to explode because that's all the factors indicated that it was going to. We still haven't seen it yet. It's it's odd. And one of the things that just from a again a uh, you know I'm not tracking this data, but a friend of mine he's he's in the eviction space. His whole job yeah. is to evict people, and he works with these massive uh, uh, property managers. Property managers. Yeah. He's you know that's what he. Those are his clients. Mm-hmm. And I said, you must be, and I did one, the same thing that your friends do to you. You must be crazy busy. He says, no. Same said, reason, well, right? Say, well, no, it's slightly different. Okay. He says, when your clients have a third of their renters that are behind on rent, it would be incredibly difficult just to evict everyone. Hmm. And he says, so if they have a, 
uh, a renter that's willing to work and get back in the good graces of the landlord, they're going to keep that renter. Ah, uh, hard to find a new new renter. That's that's hard to. It seems odd, right? Because it does the the housing crisis? Well, see, that just supports my unpredictable part of it. Right. Hmm. That's really it's interesting. Ron, as we're talking about this consumer confidence index and how it doesn't necessarily track and how these are unprecedented, but unpredictable times. And so we're not necessarily seeing the same pattern for bankruptcies. However, these are difficult. These are unprecedented. These are unpredictable times. When does a consumer know, yeah, uh, I'm in over my head. I have to help myself. It's a great question. that's and it's a hard question to answer. What one of the parts that's easy to answer of that question is when they're under garnishment and they're getting 25% of their net take-home paycheck getting hammered, they're they're absolutely gonna rush into here to get a bankruptcy. But what you're asking is a little bit different, is like, well, what if I haven't been paying my credit cards, but they haven't been they haven't been really hounding me or they, they haven't filed a lawsuit against me yet? Should I file a bankruptcy now or should I file it later? Well. Being proactive is good. Um, being reactive is probably bad because if you're reactive and everybody reacts at the same time, I'm going to be too busy to give you give you the personal attention that you need. You need to you need to come in and see me now so I can help you make a make a good plan. And if you're you know if you're under the gun and under an emergency, that's where that's where plans don't 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 work. You can't put together it like that. Come in and see, come in and talk about it now. Figure out what's the best way to protect your assets. What's the best way to do a bankruptcy and make sure that you that you can, you know, start on this fresh start. Bankruptcy is designed for fresh starts. It's designed to give people the ability to start over again, hit the reset button. And folks are going to need to do that. And if they do that on an emergency basis, it it's not good. They be proactive and, and do it now. I tend to agree with you. One of the most tragic things I saw in the downturn, and you see on occasion, is they take assets that would otherwise be protected in a bankruptcy, yeah. and they're trying to make them make it last, right? And right. They, and they cash spend, out like retirement, for example, and try to pay credit card debt. That's a horrible thing to do. Right, and they end up damaging their future. Right. And still ending up in bankruptcy, right. and and I and I just think, hey, a consult with a bankruptcy attorney would have solved that, and got you back on track, and got yeah. you that fresh start, and it would have had a guaranteed future. Right. Absolutely. Ron, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate you you having me on as a guest. This is awesome. Thanks for listening to. Is that even legal? Remember, this isn't legal advice. If you have a legal question for yourself, reach out to an attorney. Remember that we're fun, we're lovable, and we are here to help you. To my listeners in 62 countries across the world, if you have something you want to explore, email us at producer at evenlegal.com. And don't be shy about leaving a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast forum. See you next time.